G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to talk about some pretty important stuff. It may be surprising for some as we contemplate the value of creation research. As Australian society grapples with the tsunami of change in a sexual revolution, Christians wonder if we can stand with confidence that there is no evidence that girls can become boys and boys can become girls. Well, our special guest today, John Mackay, has spent decades defending the creation account and says that since every cell in our bodies remains, the genetics and gender we were born with does not change. What's more, he argues, the gender narrative is based exclusively on evolutionary humanism. He says it's a reminder of just how important it is to teach that there is a creator of male and female who will hold each of us accountable. John Mackay, the creation guy, the founder of Creation Research and the Aussie Creation Museum Jurassic Ark. John Mackay, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, g'day, g'day. It's good to be back here. Even though the topics are sometimes controversial, they're stimulating. Very controversial, very stimulating. These are the things that are in dinnertime conversation these Mm -hmm. days. You've been reflecting on a recent Supreme Court ruling that's coming into effect in the state of Queensland. Give us an idea how this affects the conversation today. Okay, back in 2020, which is when all this started, um, there was a, a, a question about whether a father could actually have the right to rule over his non-adult son who, since he was nine, according to the, the, the documentary reports, had felt that he was a boy in a girl's body, right? And so he wanted to be allowed to be a girl. He'd wore dresses or she'd wore dresses. I don't know what the right adjective is anymore. Um, and uh, so this finally hit the press just this week in the Courier-Mail where a Justice David Bodus um, has sort of put into effect a ruling that the father has no right to stop his uh, non-adult son making such a decision. And we're seeing more and more of these. And as I pointed out even in my editorial, the most important aspect of this, the, the gender thing is really secondary. The first rule that our courts are breaking is the right that God gave parents right, to make decisions for non-adult children. That's the, that's the thing that's fallen far more seriously. The rest just flows on. So, so that's really what the background is. And uh, in our, our work, of course, we've got Dr. Diane Eager, who's been a medical biologist for years at Canberra University. And uh, she's adamant. All her studies, all her microscopic studies show that you can change whatever you like on the outside. It don't change nothing on the inside. If you're a girl, you're born a girl and your genetics will show it. And likewise for boys 
and no decision. It's almost like the guy in the paper yesterday, you know, most of it's all about the Queen's funeral and the Queen was adamantly a woman, right, and pleased by God to be a woman. And yet here's this guy saying, I don't identify with my surname anymore. I don't claim to be this person you want to take to court. And you think, this is how absurd it's gone. I identify as a giraffe, a dog, a woman, right? And people are taking that as evidence, whereas it's not evidence at all. We might talk about evidence as we go in our conversation, just to pause for a moment here, because whenever we have a conversation like this, there will be some listeners who feel an uneasiness inside, as though when Christians talk about God and creation and man and woman, and yet they're struggling with their own dysphoric feelings on the inside and there's a feeling as though somehow or other when the Christians talk about these things that that is some way beginning to be discriminatory or hurtful uh, no intention at all in a conversation to be hurtful and recognizing with some level of uh, deep sympathy before God that there are people who do need our special love and our care and our attention but it doesn't stop us talking about how we might see a godly way of talking about this sort of debate. So when we're talking about this, this is so important that you've raised here. Oftentimes we're talking about what the government thinks, maybe what the church thinks, what people think, but you've brought into this, John Mackay, a very big dimension, and that is what God thinks. And as Christians, we're concerned with what God thinks and we're aligning ourselves according to him. What are your thoughts here if we're talking about appreciating the value of what God thinks. Okay, now just to give you some background at the educational level, I remember when the government told the ministers fraternal, we no longer need your advice. Right now, this is Queensland, right? And being involved in education, that had profound implications on anything I was going to do in science education or lecturing in geology or anything because it meant the reference point was whatever the Labour Party or the Liberal Party wanted, not whatever God the Created wanted. Now, in this particular issue, you've got to keep in mind, okay, we teach evolution. I've talked to politicians about this many, many years and said, what's your evidence? You know, why, why do you do this? Because the long-term consequences, are, if sex evolved, if gender evolved, then we make up our minds on whatever the current science says, not on an outside authority who's independent, e.g. God, who says, I made them male and I made them female. End of argument, right? So you've got two different starting points. And again, it's a point I've made for years and years and years. Where you think you come from determines who you think you are, which governs where you think you're going to. So if you are just an ape-like creature, if sex evolved, if gender evolved, you can be whatever. You, you can identify as a dog, a cat, a chicken, a woman, a, a, a boy, etc. Right? But if God made them male and female, you come up with what Justice Welby so well identified in his funeral speech for Queen Elizabeth. Elizabeth, there is a God, there is a judgment. And Queen Elizabeth, of course, had her sins judged already by Jesus and the penalty taken. So that, that's what we're dealing with. Is it right? Is it wrong? Not is it acceptable to the Labour Party or the Liberal Party, not is it acceptable even to John Mackay or Vision Radio. But is there a God who created and what does he say and will he hold us accountable? And if we're looking at uh, perhaps a biblical foundation uh, for what is here now, this is not like a warning of what's coming. 
Just Romans chapter 1. Paul yeah. and his warning that if you push God off to the side, all sorts of things happen. And, uh, and it happens in this area of sexuality. And, uh, and so Romans chapter 1 speaks very powerfully into our current mm. environment. It certainly does. And I know many Christians get disillusioned or discouraged by the, de- the apparent and very real decline in our, our community morality. But you do need to be reminded this is not the first time it happened. If you were in ancient Greece or in ancient Rome, homosexuality, uh, even transgenderism was a norm. Uh, you you did what you liked because you, you were just like the gods and they did what they liked, right? Uh, then, of course, the Christians come and say, in the beginning God created, he made them male and female. Therefore, a man will not take a husband. A woman will t- not take a wife. It is up to you to give God worship for what he made you, not for what you want to be in your own sexuality. And so, yes, this has happened many times. Any time society has gotten away from God. So if you look at England before Wesley, right, even after the Reformation, you get a, a rise in morality, then it plummets away as people forget God, as they go into rationalism and that, and then God uses Wesley and holiness to get them back on track, and now we're looking at a decline in that again. So Christians don't get discouraged. Just get out there and tell them the truth, as unpopular as you might be sometimes. I know what it's like to be unpopular. You do, and you've got a thick skin. Uh, you don't mind if people make a critique of the sorts of things that you're speaking about, because ultimately, if someone has a critique, you want to know what their evidence is. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just bring in the science equation here. And uh, just for listeners, as I said, uh, no holds barred. Uh, you might like to offer your own question or a comment about the sorts of things we're talking about today. You're welcome to 1-800-316-316. So not a single cell in all of that uh, DNA, all of those things that make up who we are, male and female, uh, none of that is changing, uh, even if you change the appearance on the outside, all the inside is the same. All right, okay, here's a scenario for you, John Mackay. Uh, What about transplant surgery? (laughs) Now, when I was thinking about this conversation, I remember some years ago, the feminist author Germaine Greer argued Mm -hmm. that trans women really should have a uterus transplanted in order to actually experience what it is like to be a woman. So if I had a transplant of a uh, a female part of the anatomy into my male anatomy, would I not then be blending two types of all of the things that make me who I am? Here's a test for you. Uh, the answer is you would be trying to do it, but the reason they don't do is it simply doesn't work. Right, so that when you look at these transplants, uh, stitching bits on or cutting bits off doesn't change your gender at all. Because remember the point we made about every cell in your body, uh, you you have a real trouble unless you have a matching part. And I know this is public radio, and you're listening carefully. And yes, sex is a real issue, but you've got to realise that a penis and a clitoris are identical genetically uh, in terms of the, the instructions needed to make them. One's just an awful lot bigger than the other. Uh, and, and so you are transplanting something that's similar, but wombs, totally different. There's no womb in your male structure to actually put one in there. So you've got to get your facts right about sex and that. Uh, I remember sharing here, I think it was on Vision, that one thing I did because I was born with a deformity, right, pyloric stenosis, it really messed me up for quite a while. And uh, so I deliberately at university took three years of genetics. 
not just because of evolution. I wanted to find out if things could evolve, if we knew how to make it. But I was concerned more that when I had kids, I needed to know what the odds were that they would have this genetic deformity. It is genetic, right? You can trace it back through my family. And uh, anyway, as part of that, we did the genetics of sex, right? Now, I must admit, I've never read such hilarious theories in all my life as scientists trying to explain where sex came from, because you start it with hydrogen. There are no boy and girl hydrogens, right? And then it evolves into amoebas. Well, some of the euglenids and that have 14 sexes. Now, we, we can hardly cope with two. Uh, and then what you'll find is by the time you get to humans, you are killing yourself laughing and you've achieved absolutely nothing in explaining sex unless God made them male and God made them female and he took that one body of Adam and he manipulated it, particularly by doubling up one X chromosome so the woman and the man have essentially the same bits except the Y chromosome still dominates in the man and you can't get away from that. But what I discovered was if you try three X's, you kill the person. If you try two X's and a Y, you have made somebody who won't work at all. So if this is so precise that if you want to transplant anything, you have to transplant the lot, right? That, that's basically how it works. It's like trying to turn a, a car into an aeroplane. Sure, it's got the wheels, it's got a motor, but ain't going to fly, all right? You have to do a complete transplant job, so you may as well forget it. So can I encourage you, uh, some of you Christians out there may be struggling with this issue. There's two things involved. The devil is trying to take advantage of your weaknesses, whether it's theft, homosexuality, pornography, whatever, and he's trying to made you in on you thinking that's normal. No, what God calls sin is sin. Whether you or I struggle against it, God gives us victory. At the same time, you find we need to be thankful for the stresses and trials, and you need to remember that, yes, Queen Elizabeth was really grateful she was a woman and it enabled her to do things that perhaps a king wouldn't have gotten away with, particularly the funeral, because she basically wrote every every portion of that. So if you enjoyed it, thank God for saving Queen Elizabeth and now may God save the king, because uh, Charlie does need it. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Well, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question for John Mackay, the creation guy. Uh, John's with us. And John, just before we continue on uh, this very controversial conversation, uh, congratulations on the opening of the Tasmania Creation Museum. That's a major step forward, isn't it? It really is. After three years of upsy-downsies with COVID and things like that, we finally had our bring the tourist bureau, bring the, bring the headmasters, bring the, the local officials and, and give them a guided tour. And, and what amazed us was the most interested people were the information booth ladies in the towns around. And they said, oh, we're going to send our people here. They all got a free trip. And uh, we're doing bringing up the director down there, Craig Hawkins, who's a seahorse expert. And he's coming up to be our guest speaker this coming Saturday at Jurassic Ark as we have our first open day in three years. And uh, it's pretty packed so that, that'll be wonderful well that's this Saturday. You've got the museum in Tasmania so mm-hmm. if you're planning a holiday to Tassie whereabouts is it? Okay just north of Launceston you go to uh, Seahorse World which is at one end of the wharf at Beauty Point and we're at the other it's the same building and uh, Craig who has been running the Seahorse World is now running our Creation Museum as well so you will enjoy visiting there so that's just outside Launceston a bit north about half an hour's drive or so and you'll have a wonderful wonderful day. 
And if you're planning a holiday to Queensland, the mm-hmm. Jurassic Ark, where will people find that? Okay, go to the website, creationresearch.net, and you'll see a, a clicker to Jurassic Ark. And, of course, it's just outside of Gympie, which is the gold mining town, where it was. We could do with a bit more gold now in the current economy. But uh, it's got some fabulous improvements over the past three years. We haven't wasted our time. Uh, it's sort of been let's get what done what we can get done and see what happens after that. So. Let's take a call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Kate is in Emerald in Queensland. Hi, Kate. Welcome along. Hi there. Kate. I'm I'm just driving home, so I haven't heard the whole conversation, but I thought I'd drive off on the side of the road and give you a quick ring. Yes. <laughs> Listening to the um, whole transplant issue, mm-hmm. And the XX gene and the XY gene, etc. 100% with you on that. But something has occurred to me, and I thought I'd ask John for his expertise in this area. What about what happens with um, like a normal transplant, like a, a kidney or liver or something like that? Do they have to um, trans- transfer a a feminine liver into a feminine into a feminine body, or can they cross over there? Okay, what you'll find is what they do, and one of our friends has just had some transplants, particularly in a bone marrow operation, and you just can't take anybody's right. Basically, what they want is somebody, particularly from your own family, who's as identical as possible to you. Now, because we don't know of any sort of female kidneys. <laughs> Or anything like that, right? What you'll find is a kidney from your brother will work. It won't work as well as yours did. But what you'll find is you need to get the match as close as possible. And you'll also know that they spend quite a bit of time trying to kill off any ability of your body foot to, to, to damage that transplant because your body is designed, even in creation, to recognize that which is not you. Right, even Adam could have accidentally sort of brushed up against something after he left the Garden of Eden and God knew all that. So he had a body designed with a kick-out system, with a throw-out system. Like, you know, when you get a splinter, your body builds up pus and then pushes it out. It goes pop, right, and pushes the splinter out. So God's got a brilliant system for cleaning out, and it works on the big scale with splinters. It also works on the microscopic scale. So the rule number one we found the hard way. You might remember Baby Flay, where she had a heart transplant from a baboon. And now the scientists who did that knew it wouldn't work at all because not only is it not human, it's not even the same kind, right? So it didn't work. So not only do you need a human to do a transplant from, you need someone who's as identical as possible, your brother or your sister's even better. And the genetic line, yes, yes. No, well, it did occur to me because... um, yeah, on a personal level, my mm. brother has had kidney problems and he only has one left. And I yeah. thought, wow, if he ever needed a transplant, you know, yeah. um, you're, you're an option. offer myself to yeah. do that. And yeah. I thought, oh, gosh, that's interesting. I've never considered yeah. the, the gender issue with yeah. the... Um, Oh, with the genetics there, is, is, is I do kidney, believe that every cell in our body yeah. is, is this, male or female. Is this kidney lost <laughs> due to diabetes or do you know what caused um, it? No, quite, it was quite yeah. a young thing, oh, quite young. so okay. yeah, long before well, diabetes. You, you will yeah. be a suitable option because one of my friends, uh, he lost his kidney and he got one from his sister and it worked quite well for many, many yes. years. 
Kate, thank I want to thank you so much for great insight, a good question to ask. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call before news. Michael is in Maruya in New South Wales. Hello, Michael. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Yes, Neil and uh, John. Um, I just, uh, yeah, good day. I uh, yeah, often hear about uh, so many um, stars that you can see that are mm-hmm. supposed to be so many million light years away because they they say that it takes uh, that long for the light of it to, to reach us. Um, what's the explanation for that? Okay, just a couple of things. Um, because... Uh, it was a big question about a big universe, about a, a big number of stars. Most of the early suggestions by the secularists have evaporated into nothing. So you may have heard of the Big Bang Theory, you know, where uh, that's the name Einstein gave to a theory he first of all rejected. Uh, he was being very disrespectful of the theory by calling it the Big Bang Theory. But in reality, it, it would demand a presence of a big lot of nebulous gas out there as far away as we can find. And with the James Webb Telescope, they've actually, the further away they can look, the more stars and galaxies there are. So at the present time, it doesn't degenerate into gas from the beginning. It's just beautifully organized as far as we can see. And I'm not surprised at that because God said he stamped his nature on creation. And he told us if we could measure the heavens, he would cancel his covenant of salvation. Right, Jeremiah, you'll find that in there. God is so emphatic that if we look into the heavens, we will not learn how big he is. We'll only learn how small the universe is compared to him. He's bigger than everything you can actually see. So secondly, you'll find that many Christians have come up with suggestions. As Let me just interrupt from, here because we've got to go to news. Mm-hmm. Uh, this starlight time mm-hmm. question issue. is a very important mm-hmm. one. John, before we take any more calls, let's come back to the call we received from Michael in Maruya in New South Wales just before the news. He was asking this question about starlight time. Mm-hmm. If the stars are so many millions of light years away, how does that bring into some context our understanding of God as the creator just as Genesis describes. Okay, well, I love programs like this, Neil, because I can sort of talk direct. But for those of you who are just joining us, remember that you can go to creationresearch.net, click on Q&A, or go to Fact File, and an awful lot more than just an hour's worth of questions are filed there. So search light, search speed of light, search universe, search uh, time, etc. You'll find an awful lot of eyeball-opening things uh, on that site. So so to get to the question we were talking about, uh, how does the light get from the furthest star to here? Um, Think of the um, issue that most people don't come to grips with, and that is that every question is built on a hidden pile of assumptions that most of us don't even know about, right? So in this one, the first issue is, did the light start at the star? And if so, how do you know? because that question is usually never raised by a professor, or if it is, it's assumed that the light got there after the star evolved from a blob of gas. So the gas was there, then the star evolves out of the the gas, and then it begins emitting light. Now, what's interesting, of course, is there is an alternative, provided you know that God was there and he never tells a lie, because he said, and God said, let there be light. This is on day one. It's before there's any sun or moon or stars, which the Bible reveals is coming on day four. Now, 
the simplest resolution is to be as a little child and say, if God said he made the stars on day four, then you don't have an issue because the stars got there after the light. Now, can you see the conflict now with the university? The light came after the star, the Bible, the star came after the light. The two are mutually exclusive. So don't be surprised if you start building in the speed of light and the distance to the furthest star. You end up with a totally different answer than your biblical picture about the age of the earth because you started in a totally different place. Now, there's where most of the conflict comes from. So if I can encourage people Always check what am I assuming to be true that I don't know to be true, right? So, and that's where your conflicts mostly come from. It helps you keep your temper a little longer with those idiots who can't see the truth of what you're supposedly saying. Now, personally, um, I've sort of pursued an awful lot. I was the first editor of Barry Setterfield's work, and I still have a lot of respect for the assumption he's trying to establish that, like everything else, Neil Johnson, John Mackay, the universe has slowed down in terms of the speed of light. Energy is being lost. Things are being dissipated. Now, that's his hidden assumption, uh, not so hidden when you read his work. It hasn't worked out as well as many people would like it to, so don't think it's beyond perfect. It's got a lot of critics, and uh, as I said personally to Barry, when you get this tune, fine tune, and you can say, because I'm right, on January the 13th in 2032, that star out there will go pop, right? If that's what happens, then he'll find that just like Einstein's theory of, um, you know, the, the uh, e-, e equals mc squared, that's how he got his theory established. And Barry Setterfield isn't there yet. There's lots of other options you can read in creationist circles, but that's one I'd encourage you to follow through because it follows a lot of my experiences. I'm slowing down. Most of the processes I've seen, devolution, which is true, and evolution, which isn't, it, it, devolution is where things go downhill, and that's what you're seeing in the whole universe. And there are astrophysicists who are Christians who argue very well on these sorts of topics and uh, you can get access to those and uh, the go to re- creation research and you'll be able to find a, a Q&A mm-hmm. opportunity there to be able to read deeper uh, articles about this top, type of topic. 1-800-316-316. Let's get through some calls here. Rowan is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Rowan. Welcome along. Hi, uh, how are you doing? I have called in yesterday with a question and I have another question today. Um, it, it, this is a great topic and, and I really I really like this conversation. I personally, I have a major in genetic molecular diagnostics mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. before I went into learning theology. So I've, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you that uh, male is male, female is female, and genetic doesn't lie about that. Um, but my question comes in uh, when it comes to a lot of genetic conditions such as ambiguous uh, mm-hmm. genitalia and uh, Klein-Feltis syndrome. These syndrome express the way a male and female, uh, express the characteristic of male and female very differently. And, and they can, some, some males can say, oh, I don't feel like a male because, uh, you know, clearly because of my genetics. How would you go about those conversations or how you go about those people who kind of tell these things in a biblical perspective? Mm. Okay, now number one, we must keep in perspective with all of this that in the beginning when God made Adam and Eve, no such problem existed. There was no deformities, right? Every gene was perfect. 
and its instruction was there to specify where the pubic hair would be, where the big toe would be, what the nose would be made of on male and female, and why the sexual differences would show up in such ways. By the time you get to Kleinfelders or anything else, we are looking at a world that bring Adam's sin in and death starts to come into the planet. By the time you get to Noah, there's probably no hint of genetic deformities except maybe the differentiation of colours because Ham is definitely Hebrew via Egyptian for dark, Japheth is Hebrew for fair and that's a genetic factor so that one's not producing enough melon and another is producing others but no hint of any other sort of uh, defects. By the time you get to Leah, she's short-sighted which is a genetic defect, that the eyeball instructions are not working as they ought to. So we're looking at the history of the Bible as going from perfect in genetic instructions, here's how to build a male, here's how to build a female, right? And it worked for, for quite a long time except for one factor, death enters the scene, and then after the flood when the environment begins to plummet, you get a lot more exposure to radiation, to metals and things like that until you end up with John Mackay born with pyloric stenosis, which is provably genetic, and that's why I ended up doing genetics, right? So what you find is all of these other things end up expressing themselves in deformed ways. And A, I know people with these uh, these effects, so I have they have a lot of my sympathy, even though it affects their mental state as well as everything else. But the real problem we have to admit, whether you're dealing with someone with a genetic defect, is to deal with the issue which caused it, which is sin. Right Now, as much as I, I, I don't want to dismiss this as a superficial area, a person who's feeling like I am not a male or I am a female and it's a very superficial feeling, their real issue is sin. Right, And you and I have to get that across and then we have to get across the real issue of salvation. And one of my favourite Kleinfelder's friends has, 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 is a lovely Christian right? Uh, because that issue has been dealt with. Now I became a Christian even though I struggled for years with the consequences of uh, a fairly insignificant disease except stomach wise. Um, but it's what saved me and gave me a thankful attitude. So that's where I'd start. Now Undeniably, when you look at um, the expression, the external genetic expression, I, I love to plough through old medical books where they would draw things and no, no sort of holds barred because they knew only doctors could afford the book anyway. And there you see women with a male uh, genitalia, um, but in reality, the woman's clitoris is exactly the same. You increase the hormonal effect and, and she will she will grow um, a penis, but it will no... no not function for the delivery of sperm at all. It's still deformed. So you'll find the genetic instructions can be manipulated by your body, by your hormones, by the environment, but you never do produce a transition right across to the opposite sex. It's a sad situation. It's one we need to be sympathetic to, but it never produces a, a, a race of women or men who are half and half at all. I hope that sort of helps in the limited time and space we've got here. Uh, Rowan, uh, thank you so much for your call. And uh, I know listeners will be impressed to hear you call through with that sort of uh, uh, insight, uh, being an expert yourself in genetic diagnost uh, diagnostics. So, uh, Rowan, I appreciate your call. And our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. And just in case there's someone who's feeling a little bit like, oh, you're singling, singling me out, because when you use the word sin, John, 
some people feel as though you're directing that to an individual who might be grappling with uh, dysphoria or wanting to move into these sort of trans areas. But uh, I think uh, if I'm contextualising this right, we all have to deal with this issue of sin and perhaps it uh, affects various ones of us in some slightly different ways. But yes, you can't deny that the sinful nature of humanity is going to be shaping some of these feelings and uh, even the spirituality that we have. Yeah, it's, it's sort of true. Like Because of the Queen's funeral in the last couple of days, it's been a wonderful opportunity to share her understanding of her as a sinner and then go back to Queen Victoria because she's on record as one of the evangelists sharing the gospel with her, and she said, oh, I'm not a sinner, that's for the poor people. Right Now, that's not an exact quote, but that's what she meant. And she rejected the concept that she personally was a sinner, whereas Queen Elizabeth did not. Right, And Justice Welby really framed it well in his funeral speech. And as much as we will be accused of um, sort of discriminating against people, no, we're telling the only thing that can get them out of a real serious problem. All of these genetic deformities will disappear when you stand before the Lord. And he, he if you're a Christian, you will get a brand new body. I'm looking for you need one too, Neil. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, we are not discriminating. We simply have to tell you the truth because if we don't love you, we wouldn't tell you the truth. And we are all in the same boat. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Cindy in Benalla in New South Wales. Uh, Benalla, you've been Victoria, wouldn't you, Cindy? Yeah. Uh, um, I've been watching this? a show on telly. Uh, it's a called Extreme Food Phobias, and it's got hypnotherapy in it. And um, I like all the self-talk and... Um, so I, I thought I'd, and the people who are terrified of eating anything and have eaten the same thing forever and are scared of the wrong, you know, normal food. But anyway, they go through this, um, you, you swish your finger one side to the other side and you follow the finger and then it goes up and down. You're supposed to shut your eyes. And, and um, anyway, they left out the parts, you know, they blanked out some of it. So I thought, I wonder what that's about. Because um, other than other than this, positive self-talk and different um, thoughts to add to your life to improve it there must be something more than that so I had a look on the net and apparently they, they go into a trance and um, they reckon your, your body's out of alignment and, you, and um, you, you, the electricity and you've got to hold a little mm-hmm. um, light to anyway um, they reckon your brain actually goes through some changes it goes blank or something can they call that a trance so i'm a bit worried about that Mm -hmm. that, can i just um, interrupt you sandy Um, a bit of history of course uh once upon a time banala would have been in new south wales because everything was new south wales (laughs) so i've got to correct it's my geography Uh, my apologies (laughs) Uh, sorry about that Sandy. Um, secondly uh, can i encourage you always avoid anything that puts your brain into neutral because surprise, surprise, the devil is never in neutral. The demons are waiting for opportunities to take over somebody who's not thinking. I mean, having been to India, having been past the temples there, you can feel the demonic forces going in and coming out 
and the chief aim of many of those religions is to go um and to shut your brain down and run away from the problems that are here, you will find there are many Christian counsellors who could give you far better advice than shutting your brain down or allowing worse somebody else to manipulate you through hypnotherapy or things like that. So that would be my counsel. And uh, just go, go. we don't have much on our website about that, but I'm sure you can find a Christian practitioner who would actually help you in counselling in that area. Cindy, is that helpful? Not really, because I've had normal counselling before and it didn't do much. They said, oh, you can talk to this person, talk to that person. Did you do this? Did you do that? And I didn't want to do what they told me to do. Well, that and may I didn't be the problem, Cindy. Anyway. That may be the problem. Cindy, let me but, pause for a 30-second prayer for you right now. Is that okay if I pray? Well, I do, have, I do hold bitterness that I can't get rid of, and even God showed me that I had it, but he never took it, and I've had it for what, he showed me that 30 years ago, but I knew I already had it before that, and I just can't shake it. <laughs> uh, have you got a thought on that, John? Yes, you'll find that anything you can't give up is something you, your sinful being really wants to hold on to. So, Neil, I'd suggest you pray for her that she will willingly give it up because God wants us to give up evil. He doesn't ever say, right, I'm going to sledge you until you give this up. Okay, now Cindy, are you fine if I lead us in a quick prayer? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for Cindy, uh, for the issues that she's going through, the seeking that she has in her heart uh, for help in the challenges that she's facing. My prayer, Lord, is for your intervention, for your wisdom, for your spiritual intervention in whatever way is necessary to free Cindy from these issues and to introduce her, Lord, into your wisdom and to a life of wholeness and goodness. Bring your blessing in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cindy, thank you so much for your call. And uh, let's see if we can get in another couple of calls before our time is up. John is in Melbourne. Hello, John. Welcome. Yes, yes. yes. It's me. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for your uh, program. And I enjoyed this section of John Mackay a lot. And my question is, I have a grandson and yesterday came from school and they are teaching him that gold doesn't, does, wasn't uh, created with the world, came from outer space somehow, from asteroids or something like that. Gold? And my question is, can, gold, yes. It, it, the world can't make gold. Okay, John, let's stay with that. Uh, John Mackay, a uh, thought here on gold. Let's be fairly quick and we'll see right, if we can squeeze Because our uh, Jurassic Ark Museum, which you're all welcome to, is just outside of Gympie. Go to creationresearch.net and look it up. It's near a gold town, right? So one of our guys who came to Christ through the ministry was the director of the gold mine there, right? the research director. So we do know a fair bit about gold. We know where to dig it. And in reality, if you're saying it came from outer space, then you're really saying that basically two-thirds of the planet was made by meteorites and that, and there isn't the slightest evidence of that at all. So gold itself seems to be an element. Uh, we've struggled for years to try and make it, right? because we want to turn uh, cheap metals into gold. Nobody's managed to succeed so far. So the thesis that says it all comes from outer space is basically um, nullified. It simply won't work like that, Neil. Okay, John, thank you so much for your call. Let's take one more call. And this is Pinky, a truck driver in central Queensland. Hello, Pinky. Welcome. Yeah, good morning. How are you, uh, Neil? Very well, very well. What are your thoughts? 
Um, I've got two quick questions for you. Uh, first one, Adam was put to sleep and uh, took a rib out of him and made Eve. Is that correct? That's uh, the biblical perspective is quite right. It doesn't use the word rib, use the word side, but it, it's an easy translation, yep. Right, yeah. Is it true that a man has one less rib than a woman? I deliberately went and counted quite a few of them, and no, it is not true. And it may have been true for Adam, right? But from Adam onwards, he did not inherit um, one, uh, you know, when we look at inheritance, you inherit the genes, not the ribs, right? So babies aren't made from ribs. Babies are made from Adam's genes, and God did not extract the rib instructions from Adam's genetics. So the answer is it's it's not true. Oh, very good. Uh, Now... Uh, when Noah built the ark, was it, would it be possible somewhere else in the world with uh, other tribes and, and nations, would would God maybe have um, instructed other people to build boats as well, or is, is it strictly uh, everyone came from Adam uh, uh, from Noah's family? Okay, you'll find that if you trace through the history from Adam, Genesis one to Genesis six. Everybody on the planet is descended from Adam. There's not a huge number of them. You know that because God told Noah how big to build the boat. Then he told him to preach to everybody. So Noah had to soon figure out uh, either there's not enough room for everybody or there is enough room for everybody. So they're going to be condemned by not turning up, which is what happened. They rebelled against Noah's message and they, they drowned as a result. There were no other tribes, no other nations till after the Tower of Babel. There's a key point. Secondly, you'll find that uh, even if they had have tried to build a, a, a boat, a canoe or whatever, it wouldn't have survived the flood because they needed God's instructions and only Noah had those. Uh, lastly, you'll find that when you look at uh, Noah's obedience to God, it wasn't even his children that were obedient. It was Noah who was the believer. Right, and his children benefited. So hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you dads. Your children will be benefited by your faith. Um, so get on with it and trust the Lord in everything, including when he warned you about his coming judgment, just like he warned Noah about the coming judgment. Pinky, thank you so much for your call. Let's put a line under calls. Time is short. Let me just uh, bring us back to what we began to talk about in the early part of our conversation. It is controversial. We're talking about boys being boys, girls being girls. The science doesn't deal with the feelings, and we might even say with the spirituality uh, here, John. Uh, the thought that uh, whatever I'm feeling right now, I'll try and make my body malleable to that. Uh, change the body rather than change the psychology You've got to get things right here. Uh, is there a biblical Christian understanding about how you can just, you know, if we're putting these, pulling some loose ends together, getting things right and understanding a foundation, even though there might be still some gray areas and things around the edges, how do we just understand that? Okay. You will love the Lord your God with your body, your soul, your mind, with your heart, your soul, and your mind. There is a almost like a trichotomy there. If you have any one part wrong, your soul is out of kilter with your body, your body's out of kilter with your mind, your mind is out of kilter with God's spirit, then nothing will really work. Uh, in terms of priority, God is a spirit. We are made in his image, so get your spirit right first, and that's the issue where sin is involved, right? So sort out sin, then everything else sorts out. I mean, you teach a kid that he's made in God's image originally, sin came in, that's what causes his false feelings about sex. Deal with that, and the rest look after themselves by and large. 
Fabulous stuff. Time has run out to connect with John Mackay, the creation guy who's the founder of Creation Research and the Aussie Creation Museum Jurassic Ark and the new Tassie Creation Museum uh, to connect with John Mackay. Creationresearch.net. There's also a website, askjohnmackay.com. If you want to jot some of these down, you'll find them. You'll find John all over YouTube. You can like him on Facebook. You can follow him on Twitter. You know what he's doing for the rest of the day? He's looking after all of his social media, and he'll be happy to respond to you. You can keep up with fossils on Instagram, Creation Research, and you can subscribe to their free email newsletters. There are articles, Q&A at Creation Research. There are kids' books in the Vision Store, vision.org.au. Lots of ways you can connect with John Mackay, the creation guy. There's even creationresearchlive.net, a streaming channel. John, uh, wonderful to have you in as always. Thanks so much for a great update today on 2020. Good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.